Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hey there, thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who need to figure out what in the heck works and what doesn't in social media. Every week I bring to you the top experts in the world and we explore all this great stuff to help make your life a lot easier. I am so excited about today's show. Hold on to your earbuds, people. I'm taking you deep into the jungle. We're going to be looking at the science and psychology of social media marketing. It's going to be so interesting. I'm very excited about the interview we'll be having a little later in the show with Rick Dragon. Rick is the author of Social Marketology, and you are going to love this interview. Also, I'm going to be introducing you to a very cool tool that allows you to analyze your Facebook page and gives you a lot of great insight, and you're going to love this. Let me begin with our discovery of the week. After introducing a vegetarian diet to piranhas, look what Michael Stelzner discovered. I am so excited to talk about a really cool new tool that's free that I've recently come across called the C-Score. C as in Charlie, score. Now, this is a really cool tool that if you have a Facebook page, you probably want to check out. What you do is you simply put in your Facebook page URL, and this thing does some crazy number crunching and returns a lot of really interesting data. First of all, it gives you a score, what they call a conversation score on a scale of 1 to 99. It also gives you a rank, and it also gives you star ratings in all these different categories. Let me give you a quick example. I went to cscore.recommend.ly. So cscore.recommend.ly is the place where I went. And I just simply typed in SM Examiner, which is the Facebook username that we have for our Facebook page. And then this thing starts crunching numbers and it says stand by analyzing your recent data. And then it comes back with a really cool little report. In this case, it shows our avatar and a number. In our case, it's 78. And we have four out of five stars. And it says social media examiner is a conversationalist. And then it says listens to fans and responds to them, acknowledges fan responses to posts and strikes conversations. Then it ranks us on four different categories. Response to fans, broadcasting, virality, and fan love. And it does some really cool analysis of our posting habits with videos and photos and status updates and links and questions. And it's just a really, really cool tool. So I would recommend you check it out, kind of see where you rank and potentially use this tool to kind of help you figure out where others rank too. What's really cool about it is you can put in any URL. As a matter of fact, if you want to see our score, 
you can go to cscore.recommend.ly slash examiner. So check out the C-score, which stands for conversation score. And I hope um, you'll give me some feedback in the show notes and let me know what you think. And by the way, to get to the show notes, for those of you that are remote right now, you go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash five, which is the number five. That'll get you directly to these URLs. So you don't have to worry about writing them down. And it'll also allow you to interact uh, with me on the page. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show, are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Okay, now what I'd like to do is transition over to my really awesome interview with Rick Dragon. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. Hey folks, I'm so excited to be joined today by Rick Dragon. If you don't know who Rick is, he's the author of the new book, Social Marketology, and he's also the CEO of Dragon Search. Rick, how are you doing today? Well, thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. Well, um, we're going to talk about today a lot of interesting things related to a little bit of psychology, if you will, uh, behind why people do what they do in social. So let's dig in with my first question, Rick. Let's talk about relationships. Give me some of your background on how you, and you've studied a lot of stuff. It's really interesting, all the things that you've figured out. How do relationships develop via social networks? Well, there's quite a few different ways that they come about. A lot of times people are looking for other people like themselves, what we call group affinity forming. And people really do want to find like-minded souls, which of course in this, this wonderful age of social media is, is much easier than it's ever been before. So if I'm interested in a particular topic, it's I can find people that share that with me. So that's one thing. There's a lot of relationships forming by people helping one another. Kind of reminds me, you know, you might remember the early days of the internet when some guy in New Jersey would help a lady in Des Moines, Iowa with her network connection. You know, very generous until the spammers came on and ruined it for everyone. Uh, so there's a lot of helping going on, a lot of generosity, people giving to one another. Right. Well, you know, one of the things that um, you've talked about before is the importance of small talk and how that can impact a relationship. Can you share a little bit about that? Oh, and it's a great topic because I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I'm, I'm tired of the ridiculous little chatter and the small talk. And, you know, Twitter is just about people talking about what they had for breakfast or the weather and right. whatnot. 
But there's actually a lot of theory around the idea that small talk is an extension of what primatologists and, and others call social grooming or allo-grooming. So that in all mammals, there's a certain amount of, you know, uh, combing one another or picking nits or massaging, brushing someone's hair, these types of things. It's all actual, you know, social grooming. And the small talk is sort of a, an extension of that, if you would. And what we find is that when people first start off their conversations, their relationships with a little bit of small talk, it sort of opens the gates to deeper conversations. And in and, and our experience, we find that it's very effective. You know, it's interesting. I did a little experiment on this uh, on Facebook the other day. I said something like, um, just cracked open a strawberry yogurt. What are, what are you eating for breakfast? Hmm. And all these people started sharing what they were eating from breakfast from different parts of the world. And then this one person said, really, Mike? <laughs> it, do you really <laughs> need great. to share what you're what you're having for breakfast? And my response was, believe it or not, relationships happen um, over small talk. Sure. And she re- sure. replied and said, you know, I think you're right. And I had uh, oatmeal for breakfast. And right. it's, it's just interesting how this works because with social media, Rick, we're dealing oftentimes with masses of people, right? Yeah. Um, hundreds, thousands of fans, um, tens of thousands of followers. And especially for those of us that are branding ourselves as individuals, by simply sharing a little bit about ourselves, which you could argue is small talk, or asking people to share a little bit about themselves, it seems to kind of loosen up things a little bit, wouldn't you agree? Right. It, it humanizes you. And, you know, it's also interesting, you mentioned the yogurt, because when we sit at a table together and share food, when we break bread together, that's called commensality. So if we sit at the table and have conversation, that commensality is extremely important. And, of course, business people have known this for years. You do your best business deals often over lunch. And what we see on, on social media is that people actually bring a virtual commensality to, to social media. Hey, I'm having a coffee or would somebody pass me a cocktail, please, before we start this chat? Now, now, like you, I've also done an experiment. One of my experiments was for several days running, I would come into Twitter, for instance, where I have a very strong community and say, look, you know, here's some very important fact. And let's just say it's the cure for cancer or world peace. And I would get crickets. And then I would come in and I'd start off the conversation by saying, you know, something to the effect of, boy, I could use a good cup of coffee. And I would start a little bit of small talk with people. And then I would introduce the concept that I was trying to share in the first place. Perhaps it was pointing to a blog post. And all of a sudden, that blog post would get retweeted a dozen times. It is so, so interesting. Um, And I guess the take-home lesson is for anyone who's listening today is to try a little bit of this, right? I mean, just go ahead and try to engage with some very, very simple small talk and just see what kind of a response you get. I, I think it really does work. Rick, my next question here is kind of related to this. Um, you talk about the concepts of gamification and gifting having an impact on social media. Can you kind of, first of all, explain what gamification and gifting are and then maybe get into why you think they're so important when it comes to social media marketing? Well, sure. And when I speak of gamification, I, I don't simply mean, for instance, you know, Farmville on Facebook, although, of course, that has very strong elements of gamification. But other elements of gamification are just simply when someone is given a reward in some small way. And typically, the most powerful rewards are the unexpected rewards. But give me, probably, an exa- give me a quick example of that. 
So if for some reason, even in the sense that when I, I do something and it's retweeted five times, that's a very small reward that I'm receiving. Mm. Now, that also translates over into the idea of gifts, that when we do something like retweet someone or f- even follow someone, we're gifting them. And a very good indicator of that is the fact that often when we retweet someone or follow someone, people come back and say, oh, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Right. And, of course, they only do that if it's a gift. Now, mind you, this is what we call a micro gift. It's really, really small. But the interesting thing is that in the world of influence and how people function, gifting is is very powerful. People feel the need to reciprocate. There's been countless studies on this that really do show that when people are given something, that their need to reciprocate is very powerful. So uh, we can, of course, in social media, use this. Yeah, so talk to me a little bit about, so, so let's translate this to some possible actionable tips that a marketer could take when it comes to gamification and gifting and some of their social activities. What might be some advice? Well, as I look at our activities over the course of a week, for instance, for our own company, and how we measure the effectiveness of our social media activities, I can say, well, great. We got 100 more followers on, on Facebook. Fabulous. You know, 100 more followers on Twitter. That's great. But if I really want to try to measure the, the depth of my engagements, I might say, well, how many times have I retweeted someone? Or how many times have I given someone something that they may regard as a micro-gift? This type of thing. And if, if I'm truly measuring that, then it could be a way of suggesting that I'm doing the right activities. Excellent. Let's talk about communities. Communities are obviously developing all over the place online. And, you know, many of them are developing via social media, like, for example, on Facebook. How, how do they develop well, I'm I'm fascinated by this. Of course, you know, originally in the old days, a community was our little geographical area, and we didn't have a car, and the roads were, were horrible, muddy, rutted things, so we tended to stay in our own little communities. But over time, you know, the development of transportation and, and communication, we can talk to people on the other side of the world, the concept of community became much more fluid to the point that today I think that sometimes very small instant communities can form in the back of a grocery store line. Mm. Gee, can you believe this lady's taking so long? You know, this type of thing. And there's the other person who's going to pay in pennies. Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) What I'm fascinated by is that communities, very, very strong communities, can form on social media very quickly. We see that a lot around what we call hashtag communities. So things like hashtag us guys or hashtag latism are these communities that have formed just around a hashtag and people saying, look, we've got something to talk about here. Let's just append this hashtag to all of our tweets when we want to share something with one another. And I've seen these communities, uh, you know, business, a lot of business has come out of these things. People have a few marriages, I think, have already popped up out of the one that I'm thinking about. And certainly perhaps a few marriages have even been broken. So what these people have been doing around these instant communities is very powerful. So Rick, for the marketer who wants to try to develop a community, um, you know, what, what advice would you give? Well, of course, I, many of us talk about the concept of listening, going in and first listening, finding out what a community is talking about. If it's a pre-existing community, you certainly don't want to come barreling in like a bull in a china shop. You want to be listening and try to be a respectful and contributing member of that community. If you're going to form your own community, it's, it's a slightly different thing. 
you know, you have the opportunity to find and aggregate people with a similar interest. But listening, listening and doing what we call online ethnography, which is really studying people in a very in-depth way online. Yeah, what uh, we found at Social Media Examiner uh, in the early days was that people were beginning to commune or be attracted to the content that we created, but -hmm. they weren't given the opportunity to be on the comment box at the end of the article to really kind of um, uh, collect together, so to speak. And then when we were able to turn on our Facebook page for the first time, all of a sudden they came in droves and they began interacting with each other and people even began helping other people on our wall. And we were like, holy cow, we didn't realize there was this need for this kind of community. And then ultimately we were able to launch our own community on our site using, you know, software. And I don't know how many thousands of people are in there now, but um, it's been quite an interesting thing. People really do love to connect and social media makes it so much easier. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, incredibly so. I think it's a game changer. Uh, A lot of people speak of social media as being revolutionary or a paradigm shift to to get a little more trite. And you might say, well, that's so easy to come off the cuff with. But on the other hand, when you really look at the bigger picture of business communications and just how people form communities – this is a, a major change in the history of humanity. Probably we haven't seen anything this big since the development of the Gutenberg Press. It's crazy. It's totally, right. And that totally shifted the political and religious you know, scene of Europe at the time. And I think we're facing these types of changes. So given the fact that so many people want to try to encourage, build, nurture, develop communities um, – you talk about the concept of a brand voice, and I'm sure there's an interconnection between the voice of your brand and kind of maybe uh, what kind of people you attract. Can you talk a little bit about the brand voice and, and what it is? Well, the idea of brand voice actually came out of that wonderful you know, Mad Men era of the 60s, and there were agencies where they started to consider this as being somewhat important, that a brand should have a very distinct voice. And they did some experiments back then. We've done, we've replicated these experiments where we'd go out on the streets or in a mall with these boards of photographs and we would ask people, hey, if this particular brand, say Starbucks, woke up in the morning and walked across town, knocked on your door, which one of these people would it be more apt to look like? Interesting. And the preponderance of people pointed to a particular photograph, which by the way, in the example of Starbucks, was a soccer mom. Really? Who would guess, right? Huh. Uh, I, was at, I was surprised at that. The point of the exercise was, though, that people do project persona or personality onto brands. So as a brand manager, I can say, okay, that's, that's how they're projecting onto my brand. How do I want to shape that or do I want to shape that? I know of one brand that very explicitly thought about who they wanted their brand to be, and they came up with the notion that the Dick Cavett – was a perfect example of who they wanted to be, that he just had a nice way in, in speaking with people, and that's how they wanted to be perceived. So let's say that you've contemplated what you want your brand to, um, your brand voice to sound like. What's the next mm-hmm. step? I mean, how do you actually execute on that thought? Well, of course, in social, and the big game change here as a marketer is that with social, we're talking one-on-one. A lot of Different people might be speaking on behalf of the brand as well as individuals in the organization. Now, I do want or, you know, individuals coming out of my company to have their own voice for sure, 
but when we speak as as our company, we want that voice to be somewhat consistent. And uh, for instance, if you decide that your voice is one of being a very helpful, you know, almost a, an uncle-like person, then that's going to help shape your communications. Now, one of the things we do is we communicate that with everybody who's doing social media for the company. We talk about it, and we also collect examples, good examples of the voice and bad examples of the voice. So that if we see something pop up in Twitter that one of the people posted that is great example, beautiful, let's save that and put it in a document. If, on the other hand, someone says something that's really off voice, let's also save that so that it can be example for other people working on the social media team. Yeah, here at Social Media Examiner, one of the things I always tell my team is we want to be like Nordstrom's. And uh, I don't know if Nordstrom's, everybody who's listening is familiar with Nordstrom's, but they're a high-end retailer and you walk in there and there's this level of service that's frankly unprecedented for a retailer. You know, they have private shoppers and all this crazy kind of stuff. And it's really all about servicing the individual. They will take anything back, you know, anytime, no questions asked. And um, that level of service is what we try to um, offer to anybody. And that's part, and, and that kind of helps us with our voice and with some of the decisions that we make, because it makes sense for us to man our Facebook wall around the clock with experts and to hire people to moderate some of our clubs, you know, and answer people's questions because people know that they can get an answer for free on anything that right. they ever want. And is that related to the brand voice? Oh, very much so. I mean, we've had great examples of, you know, for instance, in social media, social media is rife with, with snarkiness, right? And we very explicitly have, oh, our voice is never snarky. Our voice is always helpful. Right. And perhaps our voice might be a little bit too much teacher-like at times, but we are always helpful and we never go negative. So let's talk about um, social media marketing. Um, I know that you have some thoughts about the different kinds of projects or marketing endeavors that people are employing with social media marketing as this industry is evolving. Can you give me kind of your take on what you see as the different subcategories of marketing that are coming about as a result of this maturing industry? Sure. Well, as you know, there's a lot of these even words that we use in our industry uh, still haven't gained complete acceptance. Even what we call community is thought of in different ways by different people. And community manager, the role of community manager, I've, I've seen so many different definitions of that role uh, emerge. And people talk about social media marketing often as though it's just one big thing. We do social media marketing. And yet, so far, we've seen at least five succinct different types of social media projects. We've seen the certainly the brand management, where you're basically listening on the social sphere. When comments are made, you're replying. You're basically managing and maintaining the brand. Right. Another type of project is the influencer project. Let me find the 20 most relevant people to my business and really listen to everything that they have to say and, when appropriate, reply or, or engage them in conversation. Totally different type of project. Uh, one of my favorite projects is what I call the Big Splash Project. Those are the, the things that we often see in the news. For instance, the Old Spice campaign is yep. a perfect example of a Big Splash Project. Now, they didn't necessarily set out to develop community and maintain community, but they definitely wanted to build up a certain you know, brand awareness 
and brand perception and we're able to affect that very quickly. And then, of course, we have the community. The, the entire development or nurturing of community is a different type of project. So those are all different types. So, you know, you talked about the brand management, the influencer, the big splash in the community. Um, which one of those areas do you think has got the area that maybe has the biggest potential for growth in your opinion? And maybe which one is the one that most people think about when they think, I mean, I'm assuming the community side, I could be incorrect, but I'm assuming the community side is the general, when people think about social media marketing, that's probably what they're thinking about. Well, actually, I think that a lot of times people are thinking more about the brand management, actually. Interesting. You know, when we talk about, you know, the first thing you need to do in social is you need to be listening. Right. Okay, so we're, we're going to monitor the channels. We might use a, a piece of software, you know, one of the various social media monitoring software that's out there, and we're going to listen. And when someone says something, we're going to reply to them. And if somebody's talking about our brand or our competitor's brand, hey, we're there. Now, I think that's what most people are thinking about. Really getting involved in a community and nurturing it isn't even done by that many businesses. So that's uh, the area that's the area that you think probably has the most room for expansion, so to speak, amongst marketers. Well, I, I do because I think it's the place where brands can really tap into the passion points or the their sense of purpose behind their brand. And when a brand has a real strong sense of purpose, they can then join the communities, not as somebody trying to sell something to people, but someone that's helping to celebrate this bigger passion. And that's when they become sort of a valued member of the community. I don't know if you are um, if you can think of any brands that are doing this really well, but one that comes to mind for me almost immediately is Sharpie. Um, Sharpie pens have this really cool um, blog slash site where they encourage people to draw creative stuff and put it up there. And it's kind of like a uh, consumer generated content thing, you know, where the people that actually have the pens are generating this content up on this uh, one location. And then what they do is they find the cream of the crop and then they um, put it up on their blog and then they cross promote it across Twitter and Facebook and all these other things. And all of a sudden now they're like lifting up the artist community you know, the community of creative types that are using yep. what is perceived to be just a, a device with ink in it. And now all of a sudden they've developed an entire artist community around it. Yeah, I, I think they've done a great job. I'm a big fan of Nike uh, as being a passion marketer, mm. that they're always talking about people overcoming their physical limitations to do great things. I think Coca-Cola does an enormously fabulous job focused on the entire concept of happiness and storytelling. So they're really tapped into storytelling as a mode of, of helping to spread happiness. I, I would agree. And um, they have a really cool blog run by a historian at their company that's been there forever. And what they do mm -hmm. is they go back on their blog and they find all these really interesting um, photographs from like the 50s and 60s, for example, uh, they were celebrating uh, Coke going into South Africa. So they brought up some pictures of uh, some of the original ad campaigns in South Africa in the 50s and the stories behind that. And they were showing, you know, uh, Coke delivery drivers from the 70s wearing the pants that kind of are characteristic of the 70s, you know, and it's, right, it's right. this really cool stuff. Um, well, Rick, um, we're coming to the end of this interview, and it's so really interesting and intriguing to talk about these concepts. Um, let me ask you one last question here, which is really about you. Um, if people want to learn more about Rick Dragon and your new book, Social Marketology, where's the best place to send them? 
Uh, dragonsearchmarketing.com. Hey, Rick, I really appreciate you taking some time out, out of your schedule today and uh, sharing your awesome insight with us. My pleasure, Michael. Definitely want to make sure you check out Rick's awesome new book called Social Marketology. You can tell from this interview that he is definitely an expert, and I think you'll be really impressed with the stuff that you find inside of his book. Well, folks, this brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Stelzner, and I just want to remind you that you can get all the links from today's show by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash five, which stands for the number five, socialmediaexaminer.com slash five. If you like what you heard on this show, would you do me a huge favor and head over to iTunes and give us a a review and we'd love a five-star rating. This really helps more people discover the Social Media Marketing Podcast, gets us a lot of exposure and just encourages me to continue doing what you're doing. I just hope you absolutely make the best of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.